Hi, everyone. We've got a very special episode for you this month. It was my mandate, and I chose the movie Clue. But no Clue recap would be complete in my eyes without our friends Katie and Kimberly from the podcast A Date with Dateline. They recap episodes of Dateline. If you like true crime, talented storytellers, and just genuinely funny banter between two friends, I'm sure you'll love their podcast. Without their advice and support, it's quite possible our podcast wouldn't even exist. So please check them out if you haven't already. And one quick note, there are themes and jokes in Clue that haven't aged well. We touched on a few of them in this episode, but we wanted to make it very clear that we love and support the LGBTQ plus community and don't stand for sexual harassment of any kind. With that out of the way, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. Hello. Hello. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you so much. I hear this is your favorite movie. Yeah, I mean top five for sure. Katie gave me a poster, the Clue poster, for my birthday a year, a couple years ago. Yes. On my wall. So my love is well documented. Yeah. (laughs) On the walls walls of my home. I listened to your podcast and you guys would reference it all the time. Like, wait, maybe that movie was really good. Because I had seen it once and I was kind of like confused and the humor was lost on me. And then I watched it again. I'm like, oh, yeah, actually it was. I was just too young to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Not too young, just too stupid, maybe. (laughs) I feel like there's something wrong with me because I've loved this movie since I was a kid. Like, I have it on VHS. I still have the VHS copy. It's torn up. I think it's because we're old. So we're because old. Kimberly we're so much and I older are than you guys. a lot older than you guys. Like our like how you have your nostalgia, like for us, this is a nostalgia movie. So it would have been something we were shown as kids. Like, um, So that's probably like a big part of it. You know how some of it's just your attachment because you were young when you saw it, like, and it was a big deal. I don't remember. I don't know when the movie came out, Uh, actually. 84, I think. 85. Okay. Oh. Okay. Dang it. Looking bad. You were close. (laughs) Close. You were a hair away. I was just there. (laughs) It's like the number of bullets in the gun. One plus two plus two plus one. <laughs> I was actually doing the mental math in that scene too. I'm like, I, I can't figure it out. How much? How many bullets are there? How many bullets are there supposed to be? I don't know how many bullets are in a chamber. I was like, what? It depends. Yeah. See, then I thought, yeah, I. I think in that gun there was supposed to be six. Six. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it can depend. Yeah, I had to let it go. <laughs> I just had to walk away from that. <laughs> that fast counting no thank you well it, it's funny because you know grace uh, as she mentioned you know she watched it when she was a kid and i was the first i, I watched it when i was probably i want to say maybe 10 or 11 and for me the the hijinks really just connected and i think it was a lot of that that i was seeing in other films and tv shows at the time that i really kind of uh got into despite you know the the some of the character stuff that i was a little bit didn't know what they were talking about or didn't quite understand the dynamic, but I still thought the the way that it was shot and, and how everybody was behaving was very uh, just kind of funny all the time. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I feel like you have more of a, a film literacy than I did, though, because you would watch a lot of movies that weren't like our generation's movies. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I think there's something about like quoting your favorite movie, and there's certain movies that maybe inherently aren't that good, but because you quote them all the time, it's like being part of a club or something, and so you can quote them with other people, and like that's part of the fun. This movie, I think, is great on its own, but the quotability of it, for me, like I would quote it with my brother, it's one of the things we bonded over, and we did not bond over many things. So, like, is Mighty Boosh that funny, or is it just really fun to quote? I don't know, but... yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And this is one of those movies. And every character is fun, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Tim Curry is great, but every single one, it's like you're sort of like, oh, who would I want to be? Mm-hmm. Even though now it's maybe a little, I don't know. <laughs> Some of the characters are pretty. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there are a few that are. are <laughs> I mean, it's problematic, yeah. right? <laughs> There's a few things. Yeah. yeah no one's, yeah. like, perfect in that movie. No. But it's always who would I want to play. Right. I could watch through a lens, I guess, like a movie lens. I don't know. Just those guys bantering all all day. The comic timing is just brilliant. Every single moment. And the physical comedy, like the silent moment, like 
my fa- one of my favorite parts is Mr. Green sitting on the table because no everyone sits down <laughs> oh, and God. can't get a place to sit. He keeps trying to find somewhere to sit and then someone else sits there. So he leans against the table and then there's this really dramatic moment and he just falls. Like, it's brilliant. And it's so seamlessly done with the people coming into seats. No. It's not mm-hmm. awkward. It doesn't seem staged. It's everyone's just naturally sitting. <laughs> <laughs> Michael McCain, yeah. Duck, duck, goose. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good comment. I think one of my favorites is when they're like, how does a person even get into that position? Um, was it Professor Plum? Like, yeah. And he's like, oh, it's easy, do this. And then gets on top of Miss White and she's like, get off of me. <laughs> yeah, she's get off me. <laughs> you can't beat Madeline Kahn. No. Like, to me, she's like top three female comedians of all time. It was so good, truly. The scene after, like, Tim Curry turns off the lights or, like, turns them back on. The little, like, oh. (laughs) Oh, scream. (laughs) And she goes, ah. I know, like that, that was my favorite doing part. It, that had to be improv. And you know that's not in the script. You know that that's her. Just like responding to him with that. It's so, ah. It's so funny. Ah. All right, do we want to get into a bit of a yeah, rundown? Um, for anyone who doesn't even know what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> go watch Clue. Go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. Get on there. It's free yeah. on YouTube. Oh, oh well, there you go. No, for goodness no sake, excuse. there you go. Yeah, don't even have to pirate it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. No, and, and it's not pirated. It's like just free. I don't know why it's, you sometimes, know, maybe public domain. Sometimes they have movies that are, you can do it. Yeah. If you really like pirating, you can do that too. <laughs> yeah, we won't I mean, if you really <laughs> want to. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure? Okay, that's it. I'm not making any more jokes. Sorry. I'm really sorry. I've been hanging around with my niece. She's like six years old. That's the joke. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's about our level of humor you're not uh, you know too far off Don't but it's worry. actually uh, rated pg not rated r ah, very good oh boy i'm writing oh. that down i'm gonna use that one on her oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'll excuse myself <laughs> I, can, I can like feel kimberly's eye roll i can feel it through the computer All right. Clue is a 1985 American comedy murder mystery film based on the board game Cluedo, which is sold as Clue in the United States. The film was directed by Jonathan Lynn, who collaborated on the script with John Landis. Jonathan Lynn is known for directing Nuns on the Run, My Cousin Vinny, and The Whole Nine Yards. And John Landis is known for directing Animal House, Blues Brothers, Chris's Favorite, An American Werewolf in London, Coming to America, Beverly Hills Cop 3, and both Michael Jackson's Thriller and Black or White videos. So everything quintessentially 80s and early 90s? Okay, great. There we go. So he was the one. There there we go. You know, my cousin Vinny, I can totally see that. Like any of the courtroom scenes, the back and forth feels like Clue. So I can totally see that. On a 64 Buick Skylock. Sorry, another one of my favorite movies. I haven't seen that in a long time. I gotta do it. I just don't know it as well. All right, the film was released theatrically on December 13th, 1985. Each theater received one of three endings, and some theaters announced which ending the viewers would see in advance. That's crazy. I love that. So smart to get people to come back. I I know. Yeah, so smart. It kind of was a flop. People didn't like that. They didn't want to waste their money. They thought it was a gimmick. Well, then people are wrong. That's wrong. (laughs) You're wrong. Yeah. One person said, oh, I would have preferred if they did different middles because they thought that it was boring. Okay. Interesting. I would prefer you not to have said that. (laughs) I'm upset. I I agree. Um, But it grossed 14.6 million in North America, just short of its $15 million budget. Wow. Um, Ugh. Ouch. So, not great. And then once the film was released on VHS and then eventually DVD and streaming, all three endings are shown in succession. Which is how all of us have seen it, right? I mean, no one ever saw it in the theater, so that was right. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Oh, I've seen it in the theater. Kimberly and I have seen it. You went with me, right, Kimberly? To Mm -mm. the... Oh. Okay. Yeah, I have seen it in a theater. It was fun. It was really fun. Were people dressed up? Yes. It was like Rocky. Rocky It was like Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that sounds Mm -hmm. great. It was really... It was very fun. But it wasn't as fun as it should have been. Oh. I was expecting it to have a little more energy. But some of the stuff was great. Like, everyone was yelling lines and stuff. 
So, six people all receive an invitation to a dinner party hosted by someone named Mr. Body. They are all given pseudonyms, and in the order of arrival, the guests are Colonel Mustard, Mrs. White, Mrs. Peacock, Mr. Green, Professor Plum, and Miss Scarlet. They are greeted by Wadsworth the butler and Yvette the maid, and as they're all talking, they realize that they all live and or work in Washington, D.C. Eventually, Mr. Body arrives, and he seems equally confused as to what is going on. He tries to leave, but Wadsworth reveals that all the doors and windows are locked and barred. Wadsworth reveals that each character has been being blackmailed, and they have been paying to keep their secret under wraps, and tonight marks the end of that. And now I'll go down a list of how each character is being blackmailed. Mrs. Peacock, played by Eileen Brennan, is accused of taking bribes for her husband, a U.S. senator. Mrs. White, played by Madeline Kahn, is suspected in the death of her husband, a nuclear physicist. Professor Plum, played by Christopher Lloyd, lost his medical license due to an affair he had with a patient. Miss Scarlet, played by Leslie Ann Warren, runs an underground brothel in Washington, D.C. Colonel Mustard, played by Martin Mull, has two secrets. He is one of Miss Scarlet's patrons, but we also find out later that he is a war profiteer. And finally, Mr. Green, played by Michael McKeon, is a homosexual, a secret that would cost him his job at the State Department. But that's not the secret. It's like very clearly Wadsworth doesn't know that. He like looks at the papers like when Mr. Green like outs himself. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what his secret was. I've always wondered that Oh, I see. Yeah, he interrupts him. That's right. Like, what was Wadsworth going to say Mr. Green was doing? Like, what, what activity? I don't know. I always, that always, like, got me. I really wanted to know. Yeah, he does this, like, his eyes get, his eyes get really big. And he's like, yeah, he's like, where? That is not in my notes. And is like, flips his papers. Because it's almost like Mr. Green invited himself. Like, I don't even know. Because we'll find out later. I won't even go. I don't want to spoil it. People should have seen it by now. Yeah. So if if one of the endings is correct, then yeah. If the third ending sense. is correct, it all yeah. tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Com- completely. Yeah. It just depends on what you consider canon. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we'll get into this later. But the third ending, they say, and this is what actually happened, or something yeah. along those lines. What actually yeah. happened? Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. They so, do say that. Okay. They say this is what really happened. Yeah, if you're boring. (laughs) I was reading this really long thing, and I didn't want to get too far into it because I wanted to, you know, have our own opinions. But someone was saying, like, no, the Miss Scarlet ending is definitely the real ending. No. Which is the first one. Get real. No, it's not. How? What was their... Don't shoot the messenger. I would like their email and um, (laughs) phone number. I need to text them. Those are the people that are like, Smurfs is actually an allegory for the British government and their failure to protect citizens or something like that. And then, like, someone had this thing about Rugrats, like, and there was like, did you... Someone told me this, like, a couple years ago, and it's really dark. It's super dark. Oh. And it's like... Like, they're all dead or something, Like, they're I all think. dead, or they're all... Yeah, and like, child abuse, yeah. and there's really dark... And it's all an allegory for... It's like, no, it's not, guys. They just go with what they're telling you. Sometimes it's just a show, and they told us, this is what really happened, so let's just believe that this is what really happened. It's the one that involves them all, so I think it's the best one i mean no one thinks that the miss peacock ending is real so that's good i don't think anyone can even try no i would love that one though Mm -hmm. i love miss peacock so yeah she's delightful it'd be fantastic her voice all of a sudden changes when it's like when they're like and you're the killer and all of a sudden she's like a gangster and she's like i'll go first if you don't mind like she's very like tough gangster all of a sudden do you remember her in the sting Mm mm-hmm do you remember? She's like kind of a Miss Scarlet type character in The Sting. And like, that's how she sounds in that movie. It's really funny. She switches into that voice. It's really funny. Mm. All right. So um, Wadsworth reveals that Mr. Body is the one who's blackmailing all of them. And Wadsworth is essentially pulling a blackmailing the blackmailer situation where he gets Mr. Body to show up because he says that all the people he's blackmailing are going to be there. And Wadsworth has arranged them all to come together in order to confess to the police so that they are no longer being blackmailed and that Mr. Body ends up getting arrested because they all have this... Um, trying to explain this correctly, but kind of confused me. 
in that initial part, Wadsworth is saying that bringing them together to expose Mr. Body and the police are coming so that they can arrest him on the spot for blackmailing all these people and they have the proof. Why they need to bring, why Wadsworth needs to bring everybody together to do that is totally ridiculous. Because basically Wadsworth can just go to the police. If he has the evidence, he doesn't need all these people in the room. Right. And obviously that plan was never going to work because then they would have to expose their... Secret. Please, there are ladies present. Um, They would have to expose themselves to their own secrets to the police. Right. So they don't want to do it anyways. So, but that's to move the plot. That's what they're doing. Right. And then Mr. Body, when he hears this plan, is like, well, I have another solution we can do. And that is to kill Wadsworth. And we can all just keep on going on with what we were doing so you don't have to have your secret exposed or, you know, expose yourself to the police in order to get him arrested. Which, again, like like you said, I think the reason I'm confused is they don't really need to be there for that. But, you know, you need the plot. So in order for them to kill Wadsworth, Mr. Body gives each of the guests a weapon. In a shiny black box. He was prepared. Yeah. It's super fancy. They look really fancy. I love the shot of, like, um, Mrs. White's red nails as she's, like, opening the box. It's so dramatic. Yes. Yes. Miss Scarlet got a candlestick. Mrs. White got a rope. Mr. Green got a lead pipe. Colonel Mustard got a wrench. Professor Plum got a revolver. And Mrs. Peacock got a dagger. Mr. Body cuts the lights, but instead of someone killing Wadsworth, when the lights come back on, Mr. Body is laying on the floor. Professor Plum examines the body and concludes that Mr. Body is dead. Wadsworth then explains to the guests that his wife had committed suicide due to Mr. Body blackmailing her because she refused to name friends of hers who were socialists. Everyone's horrified except for Mrs. White, who like pulls her the Kleenex out of her chest and gives it to him and he pats it all over his face. And she looks like she's crying like along with him. It's the only time in the movie she shows any sort of like compassion. And then they wind up together like their their banter is the best because then he's like, no man would ever in his right mind be alone together with you. And then, of course, they do the matches and they wind up together. It's like. Perfect. Well, they do that yeah. with almost every couple. They, every every character, ca- yeah. character has like... Like Yvette's like, will someone go with me? And Mr. Green's like, no, no thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Because he's gay. <laughs> but then, of course, they get paired together. So it's brilliant. Yeah. But what year is this supposed to be set in that we're very concerned about so- uh, socialists? What, what year is this? Wikipedia says 1954. Oh, okay. So now that Mr. Body is dead, they all are somewhat free, but the police are still on their way, and no one knows who killed Mr. Body. They realize the only other person in the house is the cook, so they run to the kitchen, but when they open the freezer, her body is in there, and she was stabbed with a dagger. When they return to the study, Mr. Body's body is gone. A little body shaming there. That's one part that doesn't hold up. Yes. There's quite a bit of body shaming about the poor cook. Yeah. Her falling out of the freezer. And then he can't catch her and he's like, help me, help me. And then when they're trying to lift. I was was thinking about that, but I also noticed that nobody catches anyone the entire movie. It's a repeated theme that every time somebody falls, someone drops them. Mrs. Peacock, it happens. And then there's somebody else at another time. Yeah. No, well, remember when they're trying to get her on the couch? That was the one that was the worst to me, was the couch. Yeah. yeah. But that whole thing is problematic, because both of the women are pulling the cook onto the couch, and Mustard is, it kind of shows, like, the well, women are going to do He's the women's a- work and, like, pull these dead bodies. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. the whole... And he's, like, nodding, like, good job. Yeah, he's like, okay, that's good. Women, ladies first. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Ladies first. Yeah, he's such a jerk. That that cook gets the dirty end of the shaft stick, wherever I'm going with that sentence, because basically she gets, like, one One line line. and she gets felt up the whole time. So (laughs) many times. When she's dead. Her dead body gets felt up repeatedly. I would like an interview with her. But to be fair, I feel like that actress would have to stay 
the whole time they were shooting the movie, so at least there was that, you know. They weren't just a one line and done. But I, f- I was thinking yeah. about that. I was thinking about that when I was looking at Mr. Body in one of the scenes where he's dead. And I was like, that must have been so fun to be there, but also so frustrating because you can't play with the other and he actors. He also got paid. And you just have he to. He got paid for all those days he was there. So he's like, eh, That's easiest true. ever. Then gets up and goes, eats craft services. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, Depending on what kind of that's an true. actor's actor he is, I'm hoping he wasn't. Right. Because, like, yeah, that would be really frustrating if he's like, you know, I don't know, an inner Scorsese or something. I mean, but. you're uh, playing a dead body, but you're watching, like, the greatest comedic actors And hopefully ever. they were all and friends. Like, yeah, right. You'd hope that nobody had, uh, yeah. had issues, yeah. but it's hard to say. There was an IMDB, like, fun fact that said that everyone would play pool together when they weren't filming, but... They said in the billiard that, um, room? Yes, but Miss Scarlet, her corset was so tight that she couldn't play because she'd have to, like, bend over or something. So everyone was, like, having fun, uh, and she was mm. stuck. <laughs> That's, That's not fair. Yeah. No, the burdens of being a woman. <laughs> and when I was re-watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is. Like, she snatched. She is. <laughs> she is. Yeah. So when they return to the study with the cook's body, they realize Mr. Body's body is gone. He was not actually dead. So they freak out and there's not really too much time to freak out because he is actually dead and he had been bludgeoned to death with the candlestick. How is he found? He's in the bathroom. Oh, Peacock goes to powder her nose. Wee oui, wee, oui, madame. No, I just need to powder my nose. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was looking for that joke. I forgot what the line was. <laughs> he attacks Mrs. Peacock. Yeah. Like a zombie. It's very like arms out. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like that's what you do when you're like almost dead is you start to attack someone like a zombie. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that that's how he was posed in there. But for some reason he was posed with his arms up. So when she opened the door, he just fell onto her, I guess. Or was he like still half alive? I don't know. He's walking. He's still like, because they move across the lobby. Oh, well, that's just, then I don't know. That's just movie stuff. Maybe that's just so he doesn't actually fall on his face. He'll like have his arms out so then he can catch himself when he's falling. But I don't know. Doesn't the candlestick fall on Tim Curry? Yes. It's above Tim Curry in the door frame. Right. I'm shouting. I'm shouting. I'm (laughs) shouting. All right, fine. I am shouting. (laughs) Bonk. (laughs) Which is the only way we would know that he was hit with the candlestick is because the candlestick is in the shot. Because the lead pipe, the wrench, like even the revolver, all of those are going to do the exact same thing that the candlestick is going to do on his Mm -hmm. head, right? So they have to show it's the candlestick. And so it was a clever way to do it, I thought. It was great. So not long after this, a stranded motorist knocks on the door and they let him into the house to call for help. They lock him in the lounge and he is later killed by an unknown person with the wrench, but not before he mentions on the phone that one of the guests was his old boss. All the guests decide that they are going to split up into pairs in order to investigate who the killer is. They're looking for someone else in the house. They're looking to see because none of them want to admit or... or think that one of them is the killer so is this house search right is just for them to split up and see if there's anyone else that's killing people in the house it's basically also colonel mustard can kill the motorist right and so he goes hardcore on we have to do this search where it's obvious they are the only ones in the house and the killer is one of them right but he pushes them so everyone splits up and then the motorist is killed Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he's killed in a little bit. Yeah, kind of in the middle before they all come back together. So while they're all in pairs trying to find someone else in the house, a cop that was driving down the road saw the motorist's abandoned vehicle and came up to the house to look for the missing driver. He's let in and then locked in the library. A phone rings and he answers it and he tells the group that it is J. Edgar Hoover, the head of the FBI. Wadsworth takes the call and the rest of the guests stage the rooms to make it look like the dead bodies are either making out with with the guests or passed out drunk. Once the cop is satisfied and is about to leave, the power is cut. The cop is murdered in the library with a lead pipe. Yvette, the maid, is killed in the billiards room with the rope. And a singing telegram girl was shot in the front door with the revolver. And this is all as they're searching the house. As the lights are out, yeah. This is all as the pairs are searching. All those murders happen, like, fast. 
Yes, it's like really quick. It's just like bam, 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 bam. Seeing Telegram Girl came out of like left field for me. I've seen it before, but it's just like, hello, and then it's just bam. Oh, that's, I used to sing that with my brother all the time. I am your singing telegram. Bam. (laughs) It's like, because it's all of a sudden the doorbell rings. And so they're all like, you just see eyes. The shots are just of like Professor Plum's eyes. And then they show someone else's eyes. And then they show Colonel Mustard like in a shadow. And then the door opens and she's dead. It's wild. It it really is the last thing that you're expecting as an audience member. If you haven't seen the movie, it's just. I mean, the cop you get, the the motorist, understandable, but uh, a singing telegram for what? And especially, like, we don't really know what a telegram is. Like, none of us do. Like, no matter when you saw the movie, I was like, what the hell is this? So it was even more bizarre. Well, it's, again, that reminder that, like, we're not in this, this time period. And it's really easy to forget. And then certain things jolt you back and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And when they talk about the war all the time, you're like, they bring it up many times. And you're like, oh, there was, this is not now. This is then. It's very funny. So when the power comes back on, all the guests discover the three new bodies. So six murders in all. This is getting serious. So nonchalant. <laughs> <laughs> like they could not care less at this point. Like rolling their eyes every time they see another body. What was it that uh, Yvette said before she was killed? Some, something kind of cryptic. Oh, she says, uh... They recognize me. Not just my face, they know every inch of my body. And then she goes, it's you! And then she's killed. So whoever she's recognizing, she thinks she's talking to someone else. So we can guess that we think she's talking to Miss Scarlet. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. What was also interesting is that she didn't have an accent. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. That's a big one. That's part of her shtick. Well, and it works that like, because she is supposed to be an informant, right? Yeah. All right. So to summarize the murders so far, the cook was killed in the kitchen with the dagger. Mr. Body was killed in the hall with the candlestick. The motorist was killed in the lounge with the wrench. Yvette was killed in the billiard room with the rope. The cop was killed in the library with the lead pipe. The singing telegram girl was killed in the hall with the revolver. After seeing the three new crime scenes, Wadsworth exclaims that he knows exactly what happened and that launches the three endings. But he does, like, the big explanation only once. Like, the actual walkthrough of, like, you sat here, you sat here, you sat here. And he does, like, the slurping <laughs> sound for the... Like, that only happens once. And in my memory, that happened for every single ending. And it it doesn't. I believe the evangelist comes during Wadsworth's initial explanation. Because they're all exasperated. And then Mrs. Peacock does, like, one of my favorite lines. Which is the The beatnik? She calls him a beatnik, and it's just (laughs) What does she say? We're worried about staying alive, you beatnik. Wait, I have it written down. He's like, Aren't you worried about your soul? Yeah, and she says, Our lives are in danger, you beatnik. And slams it. It's such a good line. But, like, she's so exasperated at that point. And she's like, He's got to go away. Like, before. Like, So the first ending has Miss Scarlet kind of being the mastermind behind it. So she was able to get Yvette to kill the cook and Mr. Body, and Miss Scarlet killed the rest of them. So Miss Scarlet killed the motorist, Yvette, the cop, and the singing telegram girl. She planned to sell everyone's secrets. And as she's kind of confessing this to the group, she tries to shoot Wadsworth, but the two of them argue about how many bullets are left in the gun. It turns out that the evangelist is an undercover FBI agent, and he breaks in to arrest Miss Scarlet while she's arguing about the amount of bullets in the gun that she's going to shoot Wadsworth with. And he says, look, and shoots the uh, the chandelier. And she's so smug. Even though she's being arrested, she's still so smug that she was right about the number. She's like, I told you. Mm-hmm. Can't let it go. Even though I'm being arrested, I was right about the number <laughs> of bullets. Frankly, Miss Scarlet, I don't give a damn. I'm, I may have done wrong, but I'm not an idiot. <laughs> So that concludes ending A. Like my Midwest accent. I'm trying to get better about it, but I, it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, embrace it. Just do it in Spanish. Ending A. Ending A. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so ending B is what? Ending B is Miss Peacock killed all of them. <laughs> Busy lady. Why is it all the women? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. I was just thinking that. Not not super fair. It's fun. Well, Colonel Mustard does say that women are the deadlier sex. So is it from Kipling or is he incorrect? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Either one is funny. I feel like he's misquoting. I'm looking it up. Do you like Kipling, Miss Scarlet? Sure, I'll eat anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Kipling. Oh, wow. All right. Good for him. He needs a win. <laughs> 1911. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he did it. But you know that's all he knows of Kipling. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I prefer Kipling myself. Okay, sure you do, Tiger. I'm sure you do. Sure you're a big fan. Great job, big guy. Yeah. <laughs> sure you've read all the, the works. He practiced saying that in the mirror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I prefer Kipling myself. I prefer Kipling myself. No, he's just got a quote book in his bathroom, so he memorizes the quotes <laughs> and who said them and then regurgitates them. But he can't go any further than that. That's it. I'll have to try that. I'll have to get a quote wall, too, for my bathroom. Do it. Yeah. It works. <laughs> I think it'll help a lot in my just day-to-day life. You were looking life. for a new uh, a shower curtain recently. There you go. <laughs> Done. Just get a white one and write them um, or something, yeah. Literary quotes. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I could finally be cultured. Yeah, who needs a periodic table? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to press anybody with radon or whatever. (laughs) Nobody cares. But if you could spell a Kipling quote at a party. (laughs) Nailed it. You'll definitely get invited back then. Oh, for sure. (laughs) He's so smart, so cultured, so well-read. He knows so many random quotes that he doesn't expand upon anyway. <laughs> oh no, it's mysterious. You have to drop it and walk. You gotta like drop it and keep moving. Just like throwing grenades. Just yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's bump the guy who keeps saying sodium's na. Actually, <laughs> bump that guy. Bring in the quotes guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy's got to. Yeah, nobody wants him at the party. Few sodium is na. I just looked it up. <laughs> Wanted to make sure. So, Miss Peacock killed all of them to hide the fact that she was taking bribes. She holds all of the guests at gunpoint in order to make her escape, and they let her leave. But as she's leaving, it turns out that the evangelist is an undercover FBI agent who arrests her, and he thinks Wadsworth, who was also an agent, sent to investigate the crimes. And then we get one of my favorite moments, which is... Like the Mounties, we always get our man. Mrs. Peacock was a man? (laughs) Slaps on the face. (laughs) He gets one of the many slaps. (laughs) Did you see the trivia that was on Amazon Prime for that moment? Oh, no. no. What was it? In the original thing that they shot, the FBI guy shoots um, Mrs. Peacock dead and does like, they make it a gag and like looks down, shoots her again just for good measure. And then they say, like the Mounties, we always get our man. But audiences thought it was too dark. So they reshot it where he just arrests her. Mm. It doesn't make sense for her to get shot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I do prefer that. Yeah, it's not like she's really being much of a, you know, she's not, I mean, drawing a gun on, on them. It's just that, you know. She's... Well, no, she does have a gun because she holds everybody up to leave. But then they let her leave and sing for she's a jolly good fellow. <laughs> like, do you know what I'm saying? Right. Right, and then they turn on all the spotlights, right? Isn't that how it... Yes. But it's like we like all of these guys, even though all of these guys are murderers, we We still like them all, so we don't want them to die. Don't don't kill them, yeah, right. You like all the main cast, yeah, Yeah, for sure. It's even hard when they let uh, Yvette die. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was like, she's a little too main cast Mm -hmm. for her to be one of the ones that are killed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also saw there was another fact about the... Miss Peacock was a man? So I guess peacocks are only men, and peahens are women. So that was apparently also part of the joke. And I think the peacocks with the beautiful feathers, those are the boys. Well, yeah, she said all peacocks are men. Peahens are ladies. And I don't think they're as glamorous. The men are the ones that look all fab. They don't have the tails, and they're all brown. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the coat best. She's wearing. Well, she's got the stupid feather in her hat the whole time because she does all that, the great physical comedy with. The, yeah. Well, we won't know if we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's falling off her head. Uh-huh. It's so good. I'm. I'm really hoping that that was an accident, and they just kept it because it's so. It just. It adds so much. This is war, Peacock. <laughs> That's probably the most famous line, 
I would say. This is War Peacock? Maybe. No, I think Flames. I think Flames on the side flames of my face. Flames is definitely It's gotta it. be. I mean, at least in more recent times. Would you say that Peacock is in top five? I don't know. Like, if people were gonna do line, like, quotes from the movie? It's gotta be up there. Maybe I'm wrong. It was the one I totally remembered. Like... I don't know. I remember them all. I was literally mouthing the whole thing along. So I'm probably not the one to ask. I've always heard the, and I'm going to have sex with my wife. Which is so problematic in like a hundred ways. Yeah. 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 Which I thought it was sex with my wife, but he says sleep with my wife. I thought it was sex with my wife too. I was waiting for it. And then it it made it more PG. Yeah, that was, like, the only thing I was really bummed about, like, the true ending is that they made him... It's a problem. ...straight? Like, why? Like... Now it's a, like, it's a pro- was a problem then, but now it's very apparent. Especially when he gets, like, all confident yeah. and, like... Yes. Uh, the the only bonus is that Michael McKeon does not play it up. Sure. Which, right, thank yeah. God. He's not, like, super flamboyant. Or, he is like, not. Well, yeah. But and honestly, like, because uh, our friends have the podcast that aged well, and they watch old stuff and see how it holds up. Oh, that's cool! And they did the movie that we suggested, which was Murder by Death, and how it's just horrible. It doesn't stand up at all, but it's still really funny. And they think it holds up so much better than Clue in regards to the homophobia stuff. Because really, when he says he's gay, the only one who really has a reaction is Mrs. Peacock. Everyone else seems to be like kind of like whatever like professor plum kind of gets up like he doesn't want to sit by him but like yeah it could have been way worse for the time it could have been a hundred times worse and also again this movie is placed in 1954 right right so you have to kind of the problem is that that's the last line of the final ending but that that's the big problem right yeah yes okay i'll let you go through yeah i threw a tangent i threw a tangent right in the middle of that go ahead chris (laughs) Well, no, I think I quoted it and then... I had to address it. (laughs) I mean, it's probably best. So, um... (laughs) So, the ending, C, a.k.a. what really happened. This one has everyone killing someone except for Mr. Green. Professor Plum murders Mr. Body because he's blackmailing everyone. Mrs. Peacock kills the cook because the cook used to be her cook and she was the one who told Mr. Body about the bribes. Monkey's brains, though popular in (laughs) Cantonese cuisine, are not often to be found in Washington, (laughs) D.C. Is that what we ate? Colonel Mustard kills the motorist because the motorist was his driver during the war and told Mr. Body that he was a war profiteer. Which and what was it? Used it was to something be a bad with thing. Right. Oh my god. Um, he, he stole the parts from planes and then would sell them for profit. And he would sell the radios. And then how many pilots died when their radio <laughs> the radios didn't work? Miss Peacock is saying that, which is real rich because like she's selling secrets to. I don't know. Foreign, foreign powers, yes. as they call <laughs> right? it. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But Mrs. Peacock is constantly horrified by everyone's Everything. stuff. Did anyone notice oh, that? Oh, it's like it's that fake like, horrified. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't. I'm scandalized. <laughs> the yeah. socialist. Miss Peacock mm-hmm. is the one that's fully like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. An audible grunt. <laughs> like, how dare you? So the next murder was Miss Scarlet kills the cop because the cop is on her payroll for the brothel and he he's letting her keep it running. I think he's also an informant. That didn't make sense. What is he telling? That she has the brothel. Yeah. But he'd he also did, he be just, incriminating himself. Yeah, so he's tell yeah, he's telling Mr. Body or who you know, Wadsworth or whoever ends up being Yeah, okay. And that's that's the whole thing. Like, okay, and <laughs> like you are the police. Who are you gonna t- who else is gonna I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and then, like, honestly, all the stuff with, like, not aging well, like... Well, I'm assuming it was not just that it was, like, sex working, it was married politicians. So it could take down a bunch of married politicians in their careers, which would still not play well today. Sure, okay. Yeah, because she was saying, I'm not in the business of sex work, I'm in the business of secrets or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, I was going to say that, I don't know which, I think it was ending A... Where Mr. Green says to Scarlet, like, all of Washington knows. So, like, I don't know if it's different because it's, like, a different ending, if that's, like, not canon or whatever, but... 
I'm taking it as that that counts for the, the third ending. That yes, that she's selling secrets. So then Miss White is the one who killed Yvette because she had an affair with her husband. That was it. Not not an informant. Oh, you're right. That's true. Okay. She just hated her. Yvette was like up in everyone's business, right? Yes. So does she work for Miss Scarlet in every single iteration? Yeah. Which probably means she slept with Colonel Mustard, maybe? And slept with Mrs. White's husband? Yeah. Well, because it's definitely confirmed that Colonel Mustard used Miss Scarlet's services. Because I thought the pictures they had of him were him and Yvette. Well, we never get to see it because they make a joke about it. They're like, proof positive. And he's like, proof positive? You have photographs? So you even think it's a joke at first? And then he's like, oh, there really are photographs. Mm-hmm. And then you see like a po- the sex position, but you don't know who's in it. I mean, we don't see the sex position. They see the sex position. <laughs> but the photo on the desk that is thrown into the fire is of Colonel Mustard and the driver. Like, that's the part of his scandal that is being burned, it seems like. Okay. And that's the part he's actually being blackmailed for. I don't think they're blackmailing him about, oh, well, no. If those pictures are true, then he's... He's being blackmailed for two things. He's just hard to say. But obviously, yeah. yes. Double blackmail. Yeah. Yeah, double. But although that's more to, I think, more to maybe prove Miss Scarlet's whole operation and how that works or how it's working and, and maybe, but... Right, yeah. Anyway. So this is where we get the famous flames on the side of my face which I didn't realize was in an ending. So it's arguably the most famous thing, but possibly only a third of the people who went to the theater saw it. Oh, that's crazy. Also, these ridiculous people that are saying that Miss Scarlet is the real ending, they're saying that flames didn't really happen. I don't agree with that. I cannot condone that 100%. Was there any trivia? Was that line in the original script? No, that was one of Grace's trivia, that it was ad lib, which I had no clue. It's got to be. So yeah. good. Heaving breaths. Heaving breaths. Burning. Breaths, heaving breaths. Right. Yeah. And then they just cut her off. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, Wadsworth just like cuts her off right in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> He has no time for her. She does. She keeps going because you hear her in the background when he starts talking. She's like, she goes, flames, flames on the side of my face, heaving, heaving breaths, fire. Like you hear her keep going. Right. But he's like, so anyways, this is what happened. Tim Curry's face is clear that like, okay, she's going on some kind of shit right now. I got to move on. Yeah. Or he's going to break character. (laughs) Yeah, right. Those two have, like, the funniest relationship to each other, I think. I really hope that those two, like, went out to a lot of dinners and, like, went to each other's events. Yeah. My head headcanon now is that they're all, like, best friends and they have, like, a group chat going on. Yeah. Let's go with that. I love yeah. that. Let's go with that. <laughs> yes. They have Correct. a podcast now. That would oh, be great. Be oh, man. Stop. <laughs> yep. yep. Done. The next murder, Wadsworth killed the singing telegram girl who had an affair with Professor Plum. And the reason he killed her basically is just because she's another informant, someone who's in on the whole situation. And he called them all there. So, like, he called her, had a telegram. But he didn't call the motorist. He didn't call the cop. He called the motorist. And I think he he says, I called him. Um, I invited him. But then the he does say that, but... The cop is, says he's off-duty, so it's kind of like he did get a tip, maybe got an anonymous tip or something that head that way. I don't know. But then why does the motorist say what he's saying on the phone? Why doesn't the motorist sound different on the phone? Like, yeah, I got here, and it's real weird. Instead of saying, remember that thing? Like, he sounds like this is new information. Like, they all seem to be having a party... But the weird thing is, one of the guys is my old but It doesn't seem like he was invited. They cut him off. We join him in the middle of that conversation. So I think that's how they sort of get away with it. How does he start the conversation? He says, I'm at this house and these people are having a party of some sort. And the weird thing is, so we didn't hear like, hey, John, you know how I was invited to this party? Well, I show up or he didn't know what it was. I was just told to go to a house, maybe. Like, I think we use our imagination. But to Katie's point, there are probably a million things that don't totally work. 
but you have to like suspend your disbelief. Um, like I was telling Grace before we started recording, like I saw many articles pop up, like the things that are wrong with Clue, the things that don't hold up with Clue, and I purpose did not open them because I didn't want it to. I don't want it to be ruined. <laughs> yeah. And also, I'll feel dumb because I've watched this movie maybe 65 times and I didn't pick up on them. I'm going to feel really stupid. <laughs> yeah, I feel like maybe you could say that he didn't tell his friend everything because part of the invitation was, hey, you've been being blackmailed for a while. Let's all sort this out. Come to this house. Well, he wasn't being blackmailed. So his note would have just said, maybe he, maybe I need you to come meet with the guy that you've been informed like maybe it was posed as i need to give you money or something so here's the here's what he says it his conversation opens with i'm a little nervous i'm in this big house and i've been locked in a room there's a whole group of people here having some sort of party and one of them is my old boss from dead so that could go any way right i think we join it in the middle so that we don't I'm a little nervous. I don't know what that... That could go either way. That's when I call you if I'm out. You're right. Walker, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I think whatever letter he got that told him to come, he was not expecting a group filled with people, including the one that he's been informing on. Definitely, yeah. And then the cop... All right. N- unsure how he got the cop there. So when he shows up to the house, he doesn't say... Right, he doesn't say, I'm showing up, I got my letter. He just says, my car broke down. He says, my car broke down. So he was told specifically in his letter to say, my car broke down. Right. Maybe yeah. the letter said, don't tell anyone why you're there or something. Yeah. You can kind of make it fit. Yeah. Like, you definitely suspend your disbelief. But I did get the impression, like, oh, he doesn't know why this is happening to him or where he's at or, like, these people. So. Yeah. I don't know how he got the cop there. I'm trying not to think but about it But then Wadsworth much. says, everyone's, everyone's here because they're supposed to be here. So. I think that one thing that they could have done, maybe limit the number of people coming to the door and have more people in the house to start. Mm. Like you can have different jobs in the house, have like the the gardener and have him be working in the conservatory. Do you know what I'm saying? You could have a few more house positions, the housekeeper, have people in the house mm-hmm. to start like staff and then yeah. have them start to die off instead of it's too hard to like have people keep. I think that's a really good idea. I think that's. Should I just rewrite them? I can just rewrite it really fast. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think that's a really good idea. We'll do it that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that Kimberly already had since she'd seen it so many times. So I was waiting for her to pull out her manuscript and say, hang on, here we go. <laughs> After Wadsworth admits to killing the telegram girl, he suggests that everyone just leave, basically, and go on with whatever they were going to do. Well, he says, I'm Mr. Body. Right. right, 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 did, you, right. did you already say that? Oh, yeah, no, right. I didn't. Sorry. Did you I already say that? skipped it. So, yes, one of the things I didn't really think about until I saw it written out, but Wadsworth's identity is different in all three endings. So in the first one, he's telling the truth completely about who he is. In the second one, he's an undercover agent. And then the third one, he's Mr. Body. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same with Mr. Green. Like, when we're talking about what is his thing, or was there some, he was somehow planted there, maybe with a fake blackmail story. But how Wadsworth didn't know that is confusing that how he did do you know what i'm saying yeah why wouldn't he know that there was a plant there with a fake blackmail story um maybe it was a long con and he had been fake being fake blackmailed somehow for a long time i think we're supposed to believe that he's undercover mr green yes i guess right but why wouldn't wadsworth period of time wadsworth who's actually the blackmailer wouldn't he know that he is blackmailing someone for real and what their secret was for a long period of time i don't know like the long con what you said yeah we don't know when this started it really like was mr green paying off payments but it was being paid for by the fbi because he was deep undercover yes it was a long con i guess that's what we're supposed to believe yes gotcha yeah that's what I think, because otherwise it doesn't really work. I think work. this movie is not meant to be deep-dived this much. No, not a bit. No, no. Not at no, all. No, but it's worth talking about in other respects that are... are it's fun know. to pick apart, at the very yeah. least. Mm-hmm. So the switch, Wadsworth is actually Mr. Body, and Mr. Body is 
Wadsworth or the butler at the very least. Which again, you have to suspend your disbelief and go, well, why was the butler going along with this whole plot? And why did he bring boxes? And why did he go along with the plot where the lights were going to go off Mm -hmm. and everyone was going to shoot me? Like, did he have a script that Wadsworth told him to do? It's hard to sort of... Because he was getting blackmailed too. Mm. So he had to go along with it. Is it completely switched where his wife was the socialist? I guess. Hmm. So what you might call a red herring. I don't know. Yes. No, communism is. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes. Communism was red herring. Yeah. Not socialism, <laughs> excuse me. Oh, yeah, because his wife never existed. So it was never about that. Because anything to do with that was the red herring. So that whole story was a lie. Or did he have a wife who was a socialist and Wadsworth was fake crying that whole time? Just so, you know. And then... Yes. And then... Was he told to bring the boxes and kind of flip the script? Because what happens is Wadsworth says, this is what we're going to do. I brought Mr. Body here. We're all going to confront him. I called the police. Then Mr. Body flips the script and is like, actually, I brought presents for everyone and we're all going to kill Wadsworth. So was the flip there part of the script that the butler was told to do? That's a good question. Yeah, I would say no. I would say that Wadsworth did not know the flip was going to happen. That the flip, when when Mr. Body, who was the actual butler, came in, he had sort of planned that in his head. And that Wadsworth assumed that that bag was full of evidence. And then when he brought out the gifts, it was like... And he wants Wadsworth to kill, to be killed, because that's his boss who is blackmailing him. Right. And is a jerk. Right. So he's so like, he's, like, he's still going to call him Wadsworth. Right. He's like, let's, he's still going to call him Wadsworth yes. and not say, I'm actually the butt, or, yeah. but like, you know, but still get everyone to kill him. That makes sense. But the problem is, is that guy doesn't read as a butler. No. No. No, not the way that, yeah, No. That more actor, like a no. driver. If we're thinking stereotypical butler, he would be more like a driver or something. Yeah. Or like your bodyguard. I had it written in my notes that Mr. Body is like a very threatening aura, like as soon as he enters. He he does like the music gets very like ominous and they all just get like they all just get goosebumps when he walks in. Like they can just tell he's not a good guy. Well, no. And then he's creepy to a vet. Right, right away. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, that was bad. Right. Oh, that's so creepy. Yeah, with the vet, that's that's the worst. Yeah. Right away. So, like, I think it's, I don't know, but if we're going with this storyline, I would agree with the two options that you presented was that the script was flipped and Wadsworth didn't know it was coming. They were going to do that light switch out and um, it didn't work out. That's the only way it works for this ending to be real, right? If Wadsworth was Mr. Body all along. But even if he wasn't, it's still kind of like you can't you can't not notice that when Mr. Body comes into the scene, he's he's very agitated. He, he's clearly you know totally. if, if he were the mastermind, you wouldn't be in that frame of mind to 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 come in and, and be kind of not wanting to be there and just sort of just uh, kind of snapping at people and then wanting to leave very immediately. I mean, it's 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 a yeah. When he wants to leave, it's like he's a trapped animal. Like he he realized he's been set up by his boss. And he was supposed to come and play this game, and he realizes he's now in danger, and he tries to, like, break the window and get out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But then he's like, but I have a set plan B, which is I brought a whole bunch of weapons wrapped really nicely with it's ribbon. Christmas time. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't buy for a second that he tied those ribbons that well. He took them to Michael's, and someone did it for him. You don't know. <laughs> no, you don't know people's hidden right. talents. Well, yeah, exactly. Their real passions. <laughs> yeah, he might bottle in the daytime and craft in in the in the evenings. <laughs> That's true. That's absolutely true. And he just got ten percent sexier to me because he crafts in the nighttime. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Mm-hmm. There you go. Nighttime, nighttime crafts <laughs> does it for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. This one was interesting. According to an interview with Jonathan Lynn, Carrie Fisher was actually supposed to be Miss Scarlet, but she was admitted to rehab four days before filming started, so they had to make a last-minute replacement. That's wild. Wow. It would have been a different movie. That would have been very different. Totally different movie. Yeah. I don't really think of Carrie Fisher as, like, a comedic actress, unless she's done roles like that before. She's very funny. She's so, she's so funny. She's written books. She's... Yeah, she's super funny. Oh, you should okay. see like When Harry Met Sally or Postcards from the Edge. 
Mm. Love one Harry Met Sally. I will never want that wagon wheel coffee table. She could have done it. I think so. <laughs> one of Katie's favorite lines. It of all is time. my favorite. The stupid wagon wheel argument. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that it would have not been as. She wasn't quite right for it. I don't know. But then I only have seen Leslie Ann Warren in it, so I don't know what she could have brought to it. But yeah. yeah, there's something about her little flair that she brings that's really fun. For Miss mm-hmm. Scarlet, right? Mm-hmm. Very self-assuredness. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's what it is. I think it's the confidence. I don't know. Well, maybe Carrie Fisher could do it, but it, she always has like a little bit more of a an edginess. Mm-hmm. She probably would have been a little. I don't want to say meaner, but maybe meaner. I think she would have cut a little bit harder. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it could have been sure because there mm-hmm. were some digs that Miss Scarlet had, and I think Carrie Fisher's would have hit a little harder. Mm-hmm. We want to do our favorites, right? Yeah. Anyone want to go first? I already said mine, Mr. Green. That's what I'm going with today. It could change. It could be Mrs. White on another day. I would say my overall is Mrs. White, but mine on this rewatch was Mrs. Peacock. I had a lot of fun watching watching her. I like her freneticness today. Just was fine. I was good with it. But I think on other times it's annoyed me. And I think Wadsworth is a favorite all the time for all of us, probably. So, like, you can't, I, I don't even include him. It's like, it's like, who's your favorite besides Wadsworth? Well, Wadsworth, yeah, it doesn't count. I think mine was, it's a tie between Mrs. White and Colonel Mustard, because I really like the dumb humor he brings onto the table. Um, but Miss White is just too good. So I'll, I'll say Colonel Mustard just to change it up. He plays dumb really well. Yes, he does. Yeah. Because you don't know it right away, and then you're like, "Oh, you're just stupid." Yeah, he, he like he sprinkles it in later on, and it's really good. The most endearing moment of his is when he's proud of Wadsworth for figuring it out. He's like, "Good for you." Yeah, he's he's, he's all proud of himself. Yeah, that was that was great. And then obviously the, am I right in thinking of someone else in the house? No, I'm not. It's it's just like it's perfect. Oh, yeah. That whole who's on first thing. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that was lovely. And him yelling at Miss White in the kitchen about, like, her killing her old husbands. Like, that dynamic is really good, too. The fly is where men are most vulnerable. Yes. I had to look that one up. I didn't understand it at first. I was like, is that what she means? Oh, I, for growing up, like, literally, I only got it last year. I'm not joking. Okay, thank God. I think I probably had to put subtitles on. I think I had to put subtitles I on. I did too. Because I couldn't understand what she was saying. Yeah. Okay, we, we like <laughs> mind linked in that moment because I was like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I literally, when I finally understood it, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> My whole life I've been thinking, I just couldn't understand what she was saying. Yeah, I, I was like, I'm thinking I'm overthinking <laughs> this. We did miss the line where they go, this is your second husband. Your first husband also died. He was an illusionist, but he never reappeared. He wasn't a very good illusionist. Yes. <laughs> so many good lines from her. Husbands should be like Kleenex, soft, strong, and disposable. I think mine and Katie's are the same because I usually pick Miss White, but I think I have to go with Mrs. Peacock this time around because that beginning part where she is just manically talking, trying to get everyone... Oh, God, <laughs> if it's... <laughs> so good what is she doing and I'm very intrigued and oh my this soup's this delicious is how you, you act as hostess this is awful yeah. <laughs> I am determined to enjoy myself uh, Walker usually I would really gravitate more toward anything that Christopher Lloyd does but I think that the way that Professor Plum is written uh, aside from Colonel Mustard he has the most issues I think you know he's got a lot of opinions but they're in the wrong direction and <laughs> And, you know, with time, it's not, it has not helped him. Yeah. So with that being said, I think I'd have to go with uh, Miss Scarlet just because everybody else does have a lot of good comedic timing, but she's able to really cut through that. And I think that it was needed because if you just had, you know, kind of these laughs kind of endless, it, it wouldn't be as impactful when you did have these moments of, of just perfect one-liners. She's got some great ones, too. Mm-hmm. I think her, like, facial expressions and her, like, reactions to things are, like, chef's kiss. She does this thing with her neck a lot where she's like, what's this for? Yes. Yes. And a really good scream. But also, yeah, can we just talk about the fact that Christopher Lloyd plays the cast in this, but Christopher Lloyd, like, I forget that he's in it and he's, he's just great. 
He's so toned down from the Christopher Lloyd that we normally know. He's usually like all like bouncing up and like all over the place. He's like reined himself in to this. It's really impressive. And even though he's like kind of this lecherous slime ball, but because Christopher Lloyd feels like kind of bumbly, it takes the edge off of that. It doesn't make it uncomfortable to watch. Right. He doesn't feel as predatory as his lines. His lines are predatory, but he plays it in a way that's like, but I'm obviously not a threat. Which still makes it enjoyable to watch. You get that character, you're like, he's that guy, but still, like, the movie on the whole doesn't be like, ugh, you know? Unfortunately, yeah. Right, that's that's what I'm saying. It comes off as, like, a little more pathetic, I guess, than anything. Right, because, you know, he's a, yeah, a failed... There was this one scene with him when they were uh, matching up the matchsticks, when they're, like, finding their partners, and he gets the smallest one. It's you and me, honey bun. Oh, that, yes. <laughs> I, that was great. What I was thinking was he has, like, the tiniest matchstick, and he's walking around matching it, and then I see him walk behind someone with, like, a matchstick, like, two feet long. <laughs> and he's <laughs> yeah, like, It's like a yardstick, and he's like, is this one? No. It's like, no, 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 this definitely. <laughs> well, because, yeah, he's going up to, like, Miss Scarlet and right. Yvette. Yeah, and he's it's like, like, oh, no, yes. Maybe. This, Miss, maybe. This this key fits that lock. If yeah. I hope hard enough. <laughs> Please be this one. Yeah. But the, the thing that I realized watching it this time is that I always thought he was kind of, like, lecherous just towards, like, Yvette or just towards Miss Scarlet. It's to every single female on the set. He does that. I'll show you how this is done with Mrs. White to the like the sex move in the picture. And then to Miss to Miss Peacock is like honey butt. But it's like that that combined with that condescension makes it more of a humor rather than like you were saying, just being kind of predatory, I guess. 100%. It makes it more that it's like, no, any female, any one of them. It's widespread. It's very funny um, and could be not funny. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's very not Me Too era. There was a fourth ending. Oh. <gasps> the fan site Cluedo Fan gives a description of the fourth ending. It would have revealed Wadsworth to have been the killer and that he had poisoned the other character's champagne. The elderly evangelist would appear once more and wrestle with Wadsworth before the police arrived. After telling some of the story to the police, Wadsworth escapes and drives away. He would then hear the German shepherd growl from the back seat before the film fades to black. The ending was scripted and filmed, though for some unknown reason, it had never been shown to the public. Interestingly, it is in the novelization and the movie storybook, which is said to have the actual screen caps from the fourth ending. It is also rumored that the fourth ending did air on occasion on TV showings, but has not yet been proven. Ooh. Whoa. That's some good this lore. This is like a holy grail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Weird. That is good lore. I have to say, I wish that they had just filmed an ending with every single character being the killer. Yeah, that would have been fun. I wish that they had worked it in some way. You mean a separate one for each one? Yeah, because the game can have, you know, it just has those many combinations of, of sort of who did, who did it and with what and where. So. Oh, so I found the actual description of it. So do you mind if I start over and read it? Because this one's a little bit more detailed and talks about the other characters. Okay, it'll just take a second and I hope I can read this out loud properly. Let me just, to get some sympathy. This Please. is yellow text on green background. I was going to say, it looks like a <laughs> 4chan post. All right. All right, Wadsworth reveals that the murder is none other than Professor Plum. He starts off telling the story in the same way as the everybody did it ending that Professor Plum knew. Wait, what? Oh no, this is just wild. That might be fan fiction. I'm sure there's yeah, fan right. fiction ending. And I know, this kiss. is. <laughs> <laughs> Wadsworth and Professor Plum walk towards each other slowly. His erection. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> Throbbing what? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny. This was, uh, this was fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, of thank course. You guys. Yeah. Any final, anyone thoughts, feelings? I, I don't have a clue. Oh, oh my God. Oh. 
<laughs> All right, this whole it's time. over and end everything. Hang on. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been holding on to that one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for I just that. thought of it. Oh, that's, that's great. Not too late. It happened. Thank you so much for having us. We really enjoyed being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Of course. Do you guys want to like promote anything or? You can f- uh, check out our show, A Day with Dateline. Um, we are Date Dateline on social media. And you can check out our amazing, amazing website, which is a date with dateline.com that was created by the one and only Grace. It's amazing. And it's incredible. There are pages, there's like our bingo cards, there's spreadsheets of like inside jokes from the podcast, there's merch. It's better than anything we could have ever dreamed. It's amazing. It is. It's so much better than we thought it could be. Yeah. yeah. Thanks everyone for listening to our recap of the movie Clue. We want to also thank Katie and Kimberly of A Date with Dateline for coming on as our guests. It's a lot of fun. With that, I'll turn it over to Grace. You can follow Katie and Kimberly at Date Dateline on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow us at Our Warped Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow Chris. Chris Ambrose 80 on Instagram. Uh, I draw monsters and stuff, so if you like that stuff, check me out. And you can follow me to the study where we'll watch over Mr. Body's body. Annie scared the crap out of me. Annie yeah. scared you when they're the hereditary didn't. They're chasing her up that tall, tall ladder, and then, like, she has to slide down the other side. It's so scary. But hereditary, nothing. (laughs) We're laughing at that. Yeah, Yeah, but I'm scared of heights. So when she has to climb up that thing, and they're, like, pulling at her feet, that's scary. Not telephone poles. Okay, I gotta go. (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) 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 Okay, I was just... Thank yeah, you. Yeah, seriously, so thanks so much for, really for joining us. It Thank you for really having fun. us. Doing really it again fun. sometime would be great. Bye. Way to spend a Tuesday night. Yay.